Hey, what's up, comic book fans? Pete here from Comic Books Transformed, the YouTube channel and podcast where we discuss adaptations of comic books into your favorite streaming shows and movies. I got my good friend over there rocking a Megadeth t-shirt, Mr. Brian Kors hair. Let me see that shirt for a second. Sure. Oh, this very is cool. A, um, this was from a recent live stream that they did uh, at a show for at Budokan in Japan, where they uh, played with Marty Freeman again for the first time in like 20-something years. So um, I, I watched it and came with a shirt and, I don't know, it was Katanas and Megadeth. It was cool. Yeah, I figured let's just start off not talking about Marvel or anything like that. Because <laughs> with Megadeth, like, it's interesting. I, I was always, like, into Metallica when I was a teenager. And then I got into kind of, like, more new metal stuff. Because that's around the time that we were, you know, teenagers, right? Yep. And, like, you know, Deftones is my favorite band. But then uh, I didn't get into Iron Maiden until, like, five or six years ago. And I really like Iron Maiden now. Uh, but Megadeth is sort of like this outlier where I know that you like them. A couple of our other friends like them. You've always liked them, right, since you were a kid? Um, yeah. Um, Megadeth was was my favorite band for, like, decades. Uh, I, I've kind of, like, grown a little bit. And, you know, uh, I like some other newer stuff more now, like uh, like Periphery and all that. But, um, yeah, like, like, Megadeth was my favorite band from, like, I don't know, 19, early 1990s to, you know, mid 2000s you know something like that <laughs> yeah that's awesome man yeah i mean you got really good taste in music just like you have good taste in comics and, and movies and stuff and Thank you. I, you just make me want to listen to them some more i'll probably pop them in when i'm uh doing some work later awesome yeah man so anyway let's talk about uh what we're going to discuss today we're going to be discussing secret invasion episode two the ninth streaming mcu show on disney plus and brian i think uh we didn't do any notes but I think that we're both in agreement that episode two is an improvement upon episode one. Yeah, um, episode two is really good. It, like some actual, some some good acting in this episode. Yes, um, really good dialogue. It was like surprising. Um, that I feel like we haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I maybe say back into like I don't know, the the Loki finale maybe. <laughs> wow! Wow! Uh, was Hawkeye after Loki? It was right. Oh, Hawkeye had some good stuff. Hawkeye, Hawkeye did have some good stuff. Yeah. You always rank Hawkeye pretty high in our rankings of the shows. I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, well, let's talk about what made this episode good. Uh, first off, the thing that stood out to me was you see promises being made and promises being broken or people doing things behind each other's backs. And um, the episode is called Promises, episode two. I think that that was sort of like the juiciest, most well-written stuff was seeing the promises that Nick Fury made the scrolls and then seeing kind of what the scrolls did in his absence. What did you think? Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, just seeing kind of the origin of Gravik here and that he's been around for a while and how, uh, how Nick Fury helped, I guess, shape him in a way. Uh, and, and although the episode is framed where, you know, from our perspective and the scrolls perspective nick fury has not held his end of the, uh, the deal there I, I'm, I'm wondering if we will see why that is later on yeah 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 that's i actually was having that exact thought while you were saying that it's like how come they can't just find some planet that the scrolls can live on i mean I, i'm sure it's hard to just find the planet you know like, um and that's it, habitable and all that too uh and you know um another huge part of that is is uh on captain marvel's uh, plate as well um and she always seems to be 
very busy uh, whenever we see her appear um, yeah. outside of her own movie. Um, they make a mention in this episode, right, where they say that they're like hunted by the Kree. So that might be a reason why it's hard for them to settle too, right? Yeah, very possible, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, like, when Captain Marvel ends, the, the Kree Empire, it, it kind of, like, collapses between Captain Marvel and the first Guardians movie, right? Uh, yeah, I, th- I would say so. I mean, it's, it still exists because, you know, um, we do we do see the Kree in, um, uh, I mean, Ronan is in uh, is in Guardians 1, obviously. Uh, they do make mention of the, of the Kree Council. They might even say the Supreme Intelligence. I'm not sure if they name drop him or not. I don't think they name drop him in or it or whatever in the uh, Guardians movie. And in the Guardians movie, Ronan is kind of treated like this heretic that is kind of going against the way the rest of the Kree are. And the Kree came to like a truce with the Nova Corps. Like they were yeah, like but- basically like two big military powers in Guardians of the Galaxy. And it seems like the, the Kree are not as strong in Guardians of the Galaxy, which is more modern. And obviously Captain Marvel's like in the 90s. Yeah, but I'm saying is that, that the fact that he is a Kree heretic implies that the Kree still exists in some oh, formalized yeah. capacity. Yeah. Unlike yeah. the script here. Yeah. And, and so it's funny, right? Because, and, and you know, you last week you said that uh, Samuel Jackson was calling him Talos. And I always thought it was Talos, right? But he totally says Talos. Yeah, a few people say Talos and a lot say Talos. Almost all the scrolls say Talos. And Nick Fury definitely does too. I mean, looking at the name, you just want to say Talos, but um, it, it's definitely the other way around. Okay, so we're saying Talos. Okay, good. Yeah, good. So there's this one part where Samuel Jackson uh, he, he does this really great little monologue where he's talking about um, his mother. And, he, and first off, okay, the, you know it's so funny when you go to make a point. It's like, well, you know, we better go back and cover this other thing first. <laughs> one of the things that Disney gets slammed for, or people criticize is that they stick and, and then like the people that always get all the views and all the hate shit, they always say like, Oh, they're, they're woke or like they're addressing race or they're addressing these sort of, you know, hot button topics. And this episode in particular addressed race very directly twice. And I thought it was actually in good taste the way they did it. It wasn't like sort of pandering or this sort of like, like what they'll do in these Marvel shows and movies is they'll kind of like allude to race, but they won't really like address it head on. And in this episode, I felt like they really did that. What, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that there. I, I thought it was a little better used in the train conversation between Nick and Talos um, when he's Absolutely. talking about uh, his past with his mother and how he used to ride trains that didn't look like that. And, you know, it's basically alluding to segregation. Right. And, right. and kind of make, which kind of makes you think about how old his character is. And because I know that this takes place in a, you know, after the blip, which is technically still in, in, in the future in terms of our own time here. Yeah. Uh, and granted he lost five years, whatever, but still like, he's gotta be real old and he looks damn good for whatever age he is probably. Well, like um, Samuel Jackson is really old, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he does not look it. Right. Right. I mean, segregation was going on even all the way up to the sixties. Right. So uh, yeah, but the way he talks about it, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible, yeah, but um, it, it made me think of it. I'm like, like, wow, like, they were really, like, making it, I, I was wondering if they were making it seem like, you know, he was the same age that we would expect the the the, the comics original Nick Fury to be, who would, who would have been in, you know, the World War One or, or Two, whichever, I, I guess it was Two. 
Original Fury is World War II. Yeah. Yeah. But so, uh, you ready for this? Yeah. Samuel Jackson's birth date. What is it? Um, something in the forties. Nineteen forty-eight. Samuel Ooh. Jackson is born. Ooh. Right. Wow. He's seventy-four years old. That's incredible. He, he does not seem it. Right. Yeah. No. Um. But getting back to what I was uh, saying, though, is that just he uses that that little story to kind of tell Talos, like, you know, what aren't you telling me? Like, what's going on here that you aren't telling me? And yeah. I thought it was just really well, really good dialogue, really well acted. And, you know, you, you get, they kind of give you that big bomb that um, while Fury's been away on on the the Sabres uh, station building at building that out, um, that. Talos invited the rest of the nomad, nomadic scroll race that hasn't submitted to the, whatever uh, other power there is to come to Earth. And there's over a million scrolls on Earth, which is crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so funny. We're such big Transformers fans. We love Transformers so much. That was kind of the origin of this channel. And uh, the scrolls are kind of like Transformers, actually in multiple ways, right? Because they change their shape to blend in with the world that they're on. But... Uh, <laughs> Like, Talos just basically did, like, an Optimus Prime while Nick Fury was gone. He's like, this is our new home, you know? <laughs> Calling all Autobots. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Calling all scrolls. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I actually really, really liked that detail because in my head, the canon that I had was just basically whatever was left of the race came down to Earth with Nick Fury, and there was maybe, like, I don't know, a couple hundred of them, if even. Yeah. Now, but it's like there's a million or more than a million of them, and there's... Yeah there's like the core group that they had at the end of captain Marvel. And he basically recruited all of them to be spies. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that was, that was part of that, that promise in the beginning, which, which featured the, the kind of the, the aging technology again, which I, I think looks really good with him for whatever reason. Yeah. It works really yeah. well. Yeah. Um, On this 74 year old man. Yeah. And they make him make him look 30. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, Okay, so, yeah, he does this great monologue about, like, being on the train, like you said, and then there's the revelation that, you know, Talos basically, while Fury was gone, just had all the scrolls come down. And I just think that that adds this really great dynamic. It makes the show a lot more complex because it puts a conflict between the two of them. And it's a conflict where um, it makes sense, right? Like, Talos is basically looking out for his own people. And um, I was going to say to you, I don't know why this came up, I think... Okay, I think because of Gravik. We see Gravik in the flashback, and we see him get recruited by Fury in the first scene. Um, and it's like, oh, once again, we have this very empathet uh, empathetic villain, where it's like, I understand why he's the villain. Do you think that Marvel maybe does that too much, where they're like, oh, we have to make it that you can relate to the villain? Do you think that Marvel does that too much? um mcu marvel you know yeah no no i, I understand um do they do it too much i don't know but I, I i do like that style of villain a lot i i like when they're they you know i mean obviously you don't agree with them because they're doing terrible things but you can see the reason why they're doing it um i i definitely think it's it's more palatable to the audience than to just have like the you know mustache twirling world domination kind of style villain that um that a lot of comics kind of did earlier on you know they just they just wanted they were just a lot more uh basic i, I guess and yes. I, I think when you have that sympathetic villain when you give them proper motive it kind of elevates their presence in the show and makes the show better overall uh that being said 
um, I, I guess I don't, I'm not really thinking of uh, um, any other examples off the top of my head right now of, of how they're doing that right now. But at the same time, they can't do that for everybody. And I, right. agree, with, I agree with that, but uh, I'm not really thinking of anybody else that uh, that is or isn't doing that right now for some my mind is blank. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not that easy just like because there's fucking like over 30 movies and nine TV shows, right? But I mean, the, the obvious glaring one is Killmonger from Black Panther, right? He, yeah. He's the one where it's like, wait, is he kind of actually right? You know, like he's the one where it's like, wait a minute, I think he might actually be the one that's right. Yeah, <laughs> and and that that also highlights that um, that whole issue that you, you I think you brought up a lot, like a long time ago where uh, they have they have the billion to have an argument, but in order to just in case like politics change or culture changes, they make them do something like despicable. Right. Just so you're like, okay, yeah, he's the bad guy. Like no matter what he says, he did this really bad thing. So <laughs> right, yeah, right. he's the villain. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think even in this episode, we get examples of that, right? Because we clearly see right away that Fury is kind of screwing over the scrolls, and uh, he's essentially messed up Gravik's life. But by the end of the episode, we see how dangerous Gravik is. And then we also see um, that he can harm his own people. And he's also doing some sort of secret thing that he's keeping from the rest of the group. too. Oh, that 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 actually is the thing that has me, had me most excited in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you want to put a pin in that for a second? And let's yes. just address the other race thing first real quick. Sure. Okay, okay. So the other race thing is uh, Fury has a discussion with Rhodey. Rhodey is um, brought up, and we're going to talk about this council too of all the scrolls. The scrolls, instead of like infiltrating the superhero community, they've infiltrated the political uh, realm or whatever. And so like all the major politicians are scrolls. And... Um, uh Rhodey has to meet with most of them he's like they're they're all like asking about america's involvement in this incident in russia um and then Rhodey then meets with fury and essentially fires fury from like i guess the u.s government um yeah good i was gonna say it, it isn't clear to me who fury works for anymore i mean shield is dissolved um i guess sword exists we know that exists from wandavision um, but is who, who does he work for? <laughs> yeah, I mean, is Saber an American thing? Is Saber like an international thing, like Shield was? You know, yeah, who knows? That, that's yeah, that's that's my question. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot we don't know here, and especially with with why why he spit he hasn't come back to Earth in so many years as well. There's a lot of mysteries surrounding that. Yeah, so at one point, uh, Rhodey says something direct to Fury, and Fury's like, "Did you forget your rank?" So I think that, like, maybe if he's firing him, he's firing from a position in the American military, at least. Yeah, it's got to be. Like, you might be able to be in the American military, but then still be on something like S.H.I.E.L.D. or something like Saber. Maybe, you know? yeah. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so in that discussion, I thought Don Cheadle, like, really shined as Rhodey in that discussion. And he, like, you know, you have to understand, they're, they're delivering stuff about race and how black people are treated differently than white people, like super fucking serious real world stuff. But then they're also talking about like shape-shifting aliens, you know, and to, to be able to deliver that with conviction and a straight face, I think you need a really talented actor. Yeah. And it, it was a good analogy too, between, you know, comparing that to what the scrolls are going through, although that's fictitious and obviously not as serious as, you know, what actually happened in real life. But um, yeah, that was a fantastic conversation there. Uh, I was uh, the reason why I, I, I preferred the 
the earlier conversation is that I was a little thrown off by like Nick Fury saying, help a brother out, sort of. <laughs> like it was like a little of my like this is all this great dialogue and this is a kind of cheesy line i guess yeah yeah but the argument this question they have is great especially when when Rhodey says something to the effect of like you know to be sitting across from a table from someone i respect and admire or whatever and to say i have to fire him like the yeah. way he said it was so good too yes 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 the delivery was excellent uh it, it's funny right because a lot of mcu heroes have very uh, I won't say like bland dialogue, but it's just sort of like exposition and they're just sort of stating what's going on. And, and you know, you know, you have like the kind of quippy characters that say things like Iron Man says funny shit or like Spider-Man might say something funny or even Doctor Strange says something funny. But um, usually like Nick Fury and Rhodey just kind of say very serious things. Every so often there's like a little deviation where they say something sort of off the cuff. Or like kind of vulgar. Like remember when Rhodey in um, Endgame talks about going back in time and like strangling baby Thanos? Yeah. Like I like I like that like little glimpses into stuff like that because it's like you know it shows they're they're more than just these sort of like you know official military types. Yeah, they're, they're more than just exposition spewing military mouthpieces. Yeah, yeah, and I want more than that because even though this show is kind of complicated. It's also very basic. It's it's just like, okay, well, the scrolls have basically infiltrated the government. They're planning on taking over. What are we going to do about it? And we've pretty much had two episodes worth of conversation about that now at this point. Yes. You know? So um, you were bringing up this really great point about uh, Gravik and, and his secret plans and stuff. And you said that that's what got you really excited. So you think that it's basically what we thought it was going to be, right? Um... What do we think it was going to be? <laughs> I don't remember anymore. What the, we, uh, I mean, to me, it, it's he's building super scrolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what we said. Really, yeah, it's a really cool, organic way of doing it. They've taken um, the leftover pieces of various other powered entities that we saw Groot on there. We saw um, Cull Obsidian's uh, arm that gets cut off by uh, the Hulkbuster uh, armor. Was it the Hulkbuster armor? Was oh, it like, portals or something like that. Oh. Yeah, it was, one of, it was one of it was Wong or Doctor Strange that had a portal, okay. and it cut his it sent him through it, and his arm got cut off, and it got left okay. in New York. You're right. Uh, you're right you're and then right. It's, some, it's just about frost beast, and I couldn't place that. I, I think it's like that some means. some monster from um, you know either Thor: The Dark World or uh, the first Thor. I was gonna say was it was supposed to be a frost giant. Um, Something, yeah, yeah, but just the idea of that because I remember, I know we saw. We saw uh, a scroll. It might have even been graphic using powers in the trailer for this show. But I just like how how they're building that. Like they don't have that ability, and they're doing something about it. And it's like kind of cool that they took those little pieces left over from past things um, to to kind of build up the mythology of that. Like I really like when they take those kind of details and world build out like that. Hell yeah, man! Hell yeah! And it's cool that it's like not obvious things like oh it's it's captain america's blood sample you know they're they're using yeah. like stuff from the actual movie so i like that a lot yeah. you know um do you think that we're going to get any kind of special guest appearances from characters that they are using the powers of um well we're not going to see colob sitting because he's dead I'm not going to see Groot because he's off in space yeah i don't know what else is on that list there i i don't I am expecting some other kind of cameo somewhere in this series. Uh, I, I am expecting, I'm also expecting some superhero to be revealed as a scroll at some point. 
yeah. kind of have to do it, I think. Um, right. I, I think that if they leave it at just um, Everett Ross, it's not enough. No, no way. No way. They got to have some other hero be uh, infiltrated. And I'm pretty sure it's not going to be Rhodey after this episode. Okay. So so it would be masturbation if it was Rhodey, right? Yeah. And I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to talk about masturbation because they, they mentioned masturbation this this episode. They did? Wait. They did? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Olivia Coleman, whatever kind of like MI6 crazy agency is. I like how I said masturbation and someone just gave this episode a like. As I said, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's Chris or Dan. every but... week. <laughs> Piece of cake. But anyway, um, so Olivia Coleman goes and, and she like starts interrogating this guy. And right before she does it, he's being beaten by these other guys. And she says, oh, you know, if you beat your meat, like, didn't your mother tell you that if you beat your meat like that, you'll shoot your eye out? She says something like that. And I'm like, oh, shit. She does say something like that. Yeah, that's right. I remember now. Disney Plus, man, going there. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, the reason why I was saying it's masturbation is because Rhodey um, is being interrogated by those scrolls, And it's like, if Rhodey was a scroll, there'd be no need for them to go back and forth like that. Yeah, I agree. So, um, Well, I mean, they still would need to put on a face for the public, you know, sort of. I guess if that was like a televised thing, but it to me it seemed like that was like a closed behind doors kind of discussion. Yeah, I, I you're right, but at the same time, on that scroll council was that um, that like newscaster guy who it was in in like a Fox News kind of uh, show in the beginning. Uh, it, oh. He's a famous actor. I can't remember his name, but I mean I've seen a, like a a lot of. Oh, things. he's like in fucking like Billy Madison, right? He's like the other golfer. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that, yeah that, that's totally him. I I know his name. I can't remember off the top of my head. Dude, but that guy's I mean, in like okay. They show him as as like a talking head uh, on his own like propaganda show, speaking about the attack, the American attack on Moscow. But in the sense that uh, he's casting down on it uh, that the Americans did it, which is the opposite of what the scrolls would would, would probably. I mean, maybe it it, it puts him. Uh, it helps keep him up. Help him keep up his disguise, I guess. But mm. that's. That's against what the scrolls want, essentially. You know, like they want they want the war to happen so that they can wipe out the human race. So they don't want people to believe that the Americans couldn't have possibly done it. They want the Amer- think the Americans attack uh, Moscow so they can start a, a World War Three, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So that that brings us up to that scroll council and that scene, right? So Gravit yeah. goes to meet essentially with like the scroll council. And you have all these figures, like you have the fucking British Prime Minister is one of them. Then yep. you have, I, I can't remember the other countries, but they're like essentially heads of countries. Except not the and, United and the States. head of NATO. <laughs> oh, yeah, the head of NATO. Right, right. And then they have that Fox News guy in there, right? Yeah, yes. Right, right. Who's played by the Billy Madison guy. That guy is in so many things too, man. Um, yeah. But uh, what's very interesting about that scene, there's a couple of different things that are interesting, but like, they're they're not on board all on board for following him at first um one of them this one person this one scroll this woman says that she's like the reason why we're in this mess in the first place is because we fought back and because we became mm-hmm. militaristic yeah we know? were too hungry for a war right, right. yeah right which which kind of paints them more like okay well you know they're not as innocent as you'd think um and then he he lets her go did you think he was going to kill her yeah, I thought she was going to die as soon as she walked outside. I thought it was also real ballsy for her to call, uh, essentially call uh, uh, Halos right outside in front of the guard. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this show's not exactly subtle, right? But um, 
Yeah, but he's, he has this uh, graphic has this great line when she stands up to him. He said that, you know, if I had a thousand of you, I would take on the whole universe. I thought that was a great line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, as far as like, the government goes, we're, we're pretty screwed because the, the skulls have like taken over maybe not the U.S., but everything else. Yeah, I'm assuming that that means that the uh, president, they say his name too, and it's like Riston or Rinton or something like that. I remember it, it sounded like Nixon because I was like, did they say President Nixon? But I think it's like yeah. Rist, Rickson or something. Yeah, yeah, it's Rickson or Riston, something like that. So I'm assuming that he's he's a human still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, Gravik, basically what happens is he has this council that he meets with and he says, I want to be the head scroll you know, warlord or whatever the fuck he calls it, right? It was just kind of weird because it's like if, if I went to a council meeting, I was like, I want to be the head human general, you know? Well, no, he, he's basically saying is, is like, I'm a general, we're at war, I, sh I should be given complete control of, of, of everything. Right, right, right. And they give it to him reluctantly. Um, I, I really like that scene. There's a lot of really good scenes in this episode. And we see a little bit more of their operation. We see them actually doing some kind of experimentation to augment the scrolls with the, like the powers of like Groot and stuff. Um, but then we see that one of their numbers has been captured and uh, isn't being interrogated by human forces. Right. And so Olivia Coleman comes in and she takes over and she actually chops off the guy's finger, which is actually pretty bloody for an MCU show too. Right. And, and it was a smart move too. Cause you know, it instantly confirmed that he was a scroll like she thought, you know? Yes. Yes. And so, um, what did she inject him with? Uh, she injected him with some chemical that raised his the, the temperature of his blood. Um, I, I don't know if that's I mean, maybe it's something unique that it only happens to scroll bodies or something like that. I don't know if it work on a human or not, but um, it, it basically put him in indescribable pain, you know, internal. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, it got him to talk real quick. It's it was it was it, it's it's interesting because she looks like such an unassuming you know, like almost like housewife or politician or something like that. And she's just like, oh, no, I'm going to chop your finger off. I'm going to check you with this chemical. And you tell me what the fuck I want to know. Yes, yes, but yes. She's like real pleasant about it. You know, it, it was uh, she was really good. Absolutely. Yeah. Olivia Coleman is an awesome actress. Um, there was a show called uh, Killing Eve that me and Sherry liked for like at least the first two or three seasons. And um, the actress that plays Harry Potter's aunt, she, she plays a very similar character on um, – killing eve and i i love that character such an awesome character but that's a little stupid tangent um so what happens is they the scrolls are able to rescue that captured agent and there's this great sequence where uh graphic is like taking out all the humans that are guarding him did you like that sequence yeah that was great there was a particularly one like like move where he kind of like flipped him from behind with his foot it looked really awesome but it was a good action scene um, I always like action scenes that are in those confined spaces. It kind of reminiscent of like daredevil hallway fights, you know? Yes. Um, and it, it was a good, well choreographed scene. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, with maybe the exception of the Netflix daredevil, I think that for the most part, the, the regular MCU stuff, maybe, okay, fine. Like winter soldier has really good, like hand to hand combat and stuff like that. I think that they are more concerned with like kind of cool, like dramatic moments where characters show up and stuff versus like cool martial arts fighting. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, they're, they're more about the showy comic book action than, than, than actual hand-to-hand -hand combat. 
I would say definitely say cite Winter Soldier is something that that highlights that Shang Chi as well. Shang Chi. Uh, a lot of people. I mean, like uh, that bus fight. I always think back to that bus fight, which was nuts. Yeah, yeah. Or even, uh, and I'm even sure that, there's some there's some other example somewhere else too. Yeah, or even that fight when they're like fighting on the outside of that building in Shang Chi, like the building that's on yes, the construction yeah, in, in, uh, cool. in Hong Kong, whatever. Yeah, I mean, even the Guardians movies have some really good hand to hand combat or like just good combat scenes too. Yeah, but they they tend to they get a little more into the flashy superhero esque stuff, and uh, that's a little more out there, I guess. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, you know, Gravik and Fury kind of have this confrontation, and then they they basically separate at the beginning of the episode, and then by the end of the episode, Fury is fired by Rhodey, but whatever that means, he then gets a car that's been in storage somewhere and drives it far, and there's a woman that's cutting some food. Now, when you saw the scroll cooking, were you like, "That's going to be Nick Fury's wife"? Uh, I'm like. I didn't, but I'm like, that's the scroll from the beginning that introduced him to Gravik. Like that's that's that was one through my head. Okay. Uh, and it makes sense that um, you know, that that that's that's his wife, I, I suppose. Yeah. So Nick Fury in the comics, okay. So for people that aren't as into the comics as we are, the Nick Fury in the comics that looks like Samuel Jackson is the son of the original Nick Fury character. And that was a white character. And then Samuel Jackson versions, obviously African-American. Um, as far as I know, he doesn't have any love interest in the comics. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't even really, I haven't even read that much with him in it, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I, re- I read more of the Ultimate Universe, original Nick Fury, than I have of the 616 son of Nick Fury. Right. And, and, and I've read way more with the old classic Nick Fury, too, than... Yeah, yeah. Nick Fury. yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, there's no like romance with the scrolls. They've totally made this for the Disney Plus show. And how do you feel about that edition? Uh, I'm I'm just wondering how it fits in. Uh, I mean, it, it didn't have the the same shock value as uh, seeing Marie Hill pass uh, die in the previous episode. Um, yeah. And we should probably that scene with Nick uh, Nick Fury and Marie Hill's mother was also very well acted and written too. Um, Great. I don't. I just don't know what it means because it, it. I guess they're implying that she is living somewhere in Moscow that he can drive to. Yeah, that's somewhere out in the country there. Um, I don't. I just don't know what it means, and I, it's just kind of really making me question what has he actually been doing, um, in in th- this three year period or so that he said he's not really been in contact and not been on Earth, according to everybody else. I'm assuming he has been on Earth with his wife for a bit. Just nobody knows. And then that's why he doesn't have the ring on because he doesn't want anybody to know that they're married. Right, right. That was a really, really good touch at the end where he like slipped the ring on at the very end there. Yeah. Um, you know, they were playing like I think Marvin Gaye at the very end. I feel like that's a little like too on the nose. I like when they are more subtle with like the music that's playing in the background. But um I I truly hope that she's not introduced just so that they like kill her off and that he, you know, is upset or or no, just to kind of they already used Maria Hill for that. I don't think they'll do it again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like that you uh, brought up that Maria Hill scene too with the mom because uh, he has that really great line where he said they sent somebody to they wanted to hurt me and so they hurt her. You know, yeah. Shows it like she really mattered to him. Um, yeah, and I, I guess she really is truly dead. You know, yeah. Which also that line also highlights that literally no one knows about this marriage. Like I yeah. like Talos does not even know about this. I would say, you know, no one knows other than the two of them is what I'm going to say. Mm, 
That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that that just adds some more depth. I mean, it already does make him more interesting, right? Because he's yeah. he's just essentially the, the cool spy guy that, um, you know, is there to kind of move pieces behind the scenes. And um, he's he's good in the Captain Marvel movie, but I feel like what they show in that movie doesn't add a tremendous amount of depth to his character. No, he really hasn't had much screen time in the movies overall outside of Captain Marvel. Uh, you know, he was uh, obviously the very uh, end and kind of stinger in Iron Man. He was in a bit of uh, Avengers one and two. Um, and that, that's like, all I can really think of um, winter soldier, Winter soldier. And then uh, Spider-Man, then, oh, Spider-Man well, far from home. That's true. He's in a decent amount of that, although that but was that's him. Not... Right. <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is giving more depth to the character, absolutely, than he's he's gotten before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well uh, do you have anything else that you have to say about this episode? Uh, no, I guess that's it for now. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm, I'm really liking the show so far. I, I have a better feeling about it than I do from the last few. So um, hopefully this is like another step to getting back on track. Yeah. We were uh, wondering if they were going to change the opening credits because it had been made with AI and they haven't changed it so far. So <laughs> I, I think it's already blown over. I haven't seen an article about it all week. I, it, I mean, even if it, it was still being talked about, I don't think they were going to change it. It's, yeah. it's too long already is like the, it, to replace it. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, I, I think this was a much better episode than the first episode, and it does make me want to keep watching the show. So that's a good sign. There's four more to go. I know that next week we're going to take a little break because you your vacation that was supposed to be going on now has been pushed to next week. Yes, I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? And you're going to get fired. But anyway, um, but I am totally down for covering episodes three and four with you when you get back. In two weeks, yep. Sweet, man. Okay, cool. So until then, guys, make sure that you like and subscribe. We love seeing your comments, too. And our channel has been growing, actually, kind of recently. So we appreciate you following us. So thank you so much. And we'll see you guys in two weeks for some more Secret Invasion. Nice.